Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning and welcome to our show, number 573. Happy 1st of May, if you're listening to our show live this morning. We're happy to welcome our friends from Chimani as the newest supporters of our Talking Bird show. And one of the things we're focusing on this year is the fact that 2016 marks the 100th anniversary of our National Park Service. That's the government agency that manages all of our fabulous national parks and national monuments and other places. And Chimani is the company that makes some amazing free apps to help you plan your visits and find your way around these marvelous places. Chimani.com is where you can find out all about these amazing free apps. It's C-H-I-M-A-N-I. Chimani. From the Talking Birds email bag, here's a note that resonates with us since we saw several of the birds talked about in this note in the famous birding locale of Mount Auburn Cemetery just outside of Boston. A few days ago, the note says, Hi, Ray, just thought I would tell you about an amazing experience I had this past Tuesday. I was coming up my driveway and noticed uh, a male wild turkey displaying in the field. While he strutted around, a female turkey approached, and this guy just went crazy. He strutted around her for about 10 to 15 minutes, and they made it then. I still can't believe I was there at the right time to witness such an amazing thing. I tried to get pictures and videos, but I was a little too far away. But this will be an experience I will never forget. That's from Heather T. down in Mount Airy, Maryland. Thank you, Heather. By the way, not getting too close to those uh, wild turkeys is probably a pretty good idea. They can be pretty aggressive. I mean, very aggressive. Last year, at that location I just mentioned here near Boston, one wild turkey was, shall we say, dispatched after it started attacking birders and baby carriages and ground crews. Gotta stay away from Don't get too close to wild turkeys. Do we have any music uh, for the state of Maine? Maine is good, Maine is great, Maine has got to be my favorite state. There's no place I'd rather be than M-A-I-N-E. Yeah, we're going to really love to be in Maine. At the end of this month, on Sunday, May 29th, we'll be broadcasting our Talking Bird show from the second annual L.L. Bean Birding Festival right by the Big Boot at the store. They're the flagship store in Freeport, Maine, the Big Birding Festival in association with Maine Audubon. It's going to be a wonderful weekend. Guided bird walks, live raptor demos with hawks and owls. Uh, there'll be talks and presentations by world-renowned birding experts like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Tim Gallagher, the noted author and editor of Cornell Lab's Living Bird magazine. And there'll be our Talking Bird show on that Sunday morning, 9.30 to 10 
on May 29th, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. If you can get to Freeport, Maine, uh, we hope you'll come up there and see us there as part of that big birding festival. Again, it's uh, Sunday, May 29th. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here's some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Award-winning pictures from National Audubon's new photo contest featuring beautiful birds that we could lose to climate change, the phenomenon that conservation groups around the world have now identified as the number one threat to bird survival. See the story there. It's some really amazing pictures. A birder's eye view. Meet the rough wings. Great photos of and fascinating facts about the rough wing swallow. And folks in Missouri are not just seeing red, they're viewing vermilion. A vermilion flycatcher, that is. A sighting of this striking southwestern species has set the Kansas City area all abuzz. Some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can find more interesting stories and links, by the way, right on the homepage of our website. And that is TalkingBirds.com. On our Talking Birds blog this week, the headline is A Few Penguin Facts in Honor of World Penguin Day. That's our blog this week, created by our own Debbie Bleacher and easily found at TalkingBirds.com. And speaking of blogs, as we continue our celebration of the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service, we're about to get a profile of another of our great national parks, just in time for warbler watching season along with how fourth graders and their families can get a free pass to all of our national parks and forests and national wildlife refuges through the Every Kid in a Park initiative. It's on our Charlotte's weblog with our Charlotte Wasilik, and she's sponsored by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com Charlotte, what's the latest? Good morning, Ray. With warbler migration right around the corner, today I'm featuring Lake Superior's Apostle Islands National Lakeshore, located at the northernmost mainland point in Wisconsin. The lakeshore consists of more than 20 islands and a 12-mile mainland stretch, as well as beaches, eight historic lighthouses, naturally carved rock formations, and sea caves. The Apostle Islands are famous for warblers, with over 20 species breeding in the area, and the lakeshore also provides nesting habitat for endangered piping plovers. Visit the Apostle Islands website at nps.gov APIS to find out more about this great park. As a reminder, the U.S. National Park Service will be turning 100 years old in August and is celebrating with their initiative, Every Kid in a Park. As part of Every Kid in a Park, all fourth graders in the United States, including homeschoolers and their families, qualify for a free annual pass to all federally managed national parks, forests, and wildlife refuges. Visit everykidinapark.gov for more information and to print your free park pass. This week on my blog, I have a post about my birding trip to Heidelberg in Germany and photos of white storks, a Eurasian eagle owl on her nest, and red-crested poshards. 
And earlier this week, I wrote about a new summer workshop for young Canadian birders at Alberta's Beaver Hill Bird Observatory. You can find both posts on my blog at prairiebirder.com. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Charlotte. And Talking Birds listeners, be sure to check out those posts and a lot more on Charlotte's blog. You'll find it at prairiebirder.com. That is prairiebirder.com. Still to come on our show today, are you looking for a nice pair of binoculars or a binocular, I guess is the technically correct way to say it, or a spotting scope? Well, there are many, maybe too many, options out there, but how do you decide which is the right one for you? Maybe you don't have to, thanks to this morning's special guest, John Ryuta, who knows a lot about this kind of stuff. Plus, in our new live Let's Ask Mike segment with the one, the only, Mike O'Connor from the Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod, we'll figure out something about what you can provide for your birds this spring, in addition to food. And in just a moment, we'll meet the formidable and feisty Cisthorus palustris. It's today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, We care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. When you hear Heinz 57, you probably think of ketchup. But this is a show about birds, so we mean it to refer to today's featured feathered friend. It's been called the Heinz 57 varieties bird, because researchers have found at least 57 different variations of the song produced by this cattail marsh dweller. It's a bird known to those researchers as Cystothorus palustris, and to the rest of us as the marsh wren, a small, thin-billed bird that's mostly brown, with bold black and white streaks on its back, buffy flanks, a white chest, a dark cap, and a whitish eye line, and a tail that's often held up at a jaunty angle. The marsh wren sings all day, and sometimes through the night, belting out those 57-plus variations while perching precariously on stalks of grasses or cattails. Our bird forages in the vegetation for insects, spiders, and snails, sometimes flying out to catch insects in midair. During spring nesting season, male marsh wrens may build as many as 20 dummy nests, apparently to fool predators in their nesting territories and they engage in their own acts of predation, marsh wrens are known to puncture the eggs and kill the nestlings of other nearby birds, including members of their own species, and occasionally even of their own offspring, while they sing many variations of this cheery-sounding song. The Heinz 57 varieties bird, Cystothorus palustris. The marsh wren, today's talking birds, featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us here, our show number 573. Please visit our website if you can, it's talkingbirds.com, and check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. 
John Ryuda, a.k.a. the Well-Read Naturalist. More about that in a bit. Is Sports Optics Product Manager for Celestron, makers of scopes and binoculars for lots of purposes, including birding and bird watching. And John joins us on the line right now. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ray. Great to have you with us. That is quite a radio voice you've got there, by the way. Well, thank you very much. I've always been told I've got a face for radio. <laughs> a lot of us have that. So, John, that's something pretty confusing for people who maybe haven't bought scopes and binocs before, and or even if they haven't or haven't done it for a while. Give us some general advice, if you could, to kind of cut through the confusion of what people should look for, what should they spend, what do they get for their money? Well, you don't have to spend a lot to get some very good performing optics these days. Years ago, that was the case, but today, not at all. And the biggest thing people need to remember is that magnification doesn't give you always the best image. Hmm. Many people over-magnify, they use more than they need, or in some cases, they use more than he can physically hold. So generally for bird watching, I like to recommend right in the six to nine power eight is good seven if you can find them celestron offers a couple of sevens we offer a lot of eights uh eight generally will do the job you combine it with a 40 42 millimeter objective you know a very good all-around birding binocular okay so a 10 power for example might get a little shaky to to hold on to or to keep steady 10 could get a little bit shaky for long distance and open country if you've got low humidity, dry conditions, 10, 10 will do the job. Also, uh, Coast Watch 10 can be very helpful uh, because your field of view is triangular. And so the further you get away, the, the more that you'll actually be able to get inside the field of view. But generally for most birding situations, you're going to be fairly close up. And so you want that lower magnification to really open up that field of view and also open up the aperture, giving you better light, sharper images, more color, just a more all-around satisfying experience. Hmm. Okay. We hear a lot of uh, terminology that might be a little confusing. Here's one. Exit pupil. That would be a student who stands near the door for a quick getaway when class ends. (laughs) Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, The exit pupil is a calculation. Uh, And this is why I talked about the lower magnification. Say you have, let's let's use some easy numbers just to keep the math simple so nobody's reaching for a calculator. Say that you have a 40-millimeter objective, a, a standard full-size binocular, and say you do use a 10 magnification. The exit pupil is the little circle of light on the eyepiece that you're actually looking through to get the image. And the size is determined by dividing the objective diameter, which is in millimeters, so that would be 40, by 10, the magnification. And so you get four. So you're looking through a four-millimeter aperture. Now, say you increase that uh, to uh, a larger exit pupil. Well, the only way to do that is to divide that objective by a lower number. So if you divided 40 by 8, you would get a larger diameter aperture than if you divided 40 by 10. Okay. That's the reason for the lower. You're basically giving yourself a larger window to look through. Okay, and then there's eye relief, which you have pointed out doesn't mean good sunglasses, right? (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, Eye relief is how much space you have behind the binocular to comfortably position your head so that you have a full 
view of the image given by the binocular. Now, eye relief is also generally measured in millimeters. If you wear eyeglasses and you use them with your binoculars, you're really going to want at least 15 millimeters of eye relief. If you don't wear eyeglasses, you can get away with a little bit less. But generally, you're looking for more than 15. Some binoculars go easily up to 20 millimeters. And generally, the larger the eye relief, so the longer the distance, means the more space you have. And you have to think of it in three dimensions. So it's like a, an invisible imaginary box in which you can position your head behind the binocular and still get a good, comfortable, satisfying view. John, you were talking about the you know binoculars of old before coated lenses uh, started coming in. Give us a quick overview of what that's about. It sounds like you wouldn't want coating on your lenses, but that's not the case. Well, lens coatings can do a variety of things. Uh, early on, it was simply glass, and, and you got the best image based on the quality of glass. Now, of course, you still want good glass, but the, the lens coatings can help very much. For instance, multi-coating. Multi-coating helps to manage the light as it transits the lens. Every time, remember your physics class, every time light goes through one side of a lens and come out, comes out the other, it's a little bit different. You're going to lose a little bit. The colors could get a little changed. Uh, so you want to put a coating on those lenses that helps to manage that, to keep all those little rays going in the same direction. The same with the prisms, with roof prism binoculars. The advent of phase coating, which keeps everything... Think about it being phase is sharp. So if you keep everything in phase, everything's going to be sharp, crisp, and bright. If it goes out of phase, it'll be a little bit muddy, a little bit soft. And so those coatings can really help your image. It's always important to pay attention to what coatings are offered by a binocular. I have to make a comment, though. When using poroprism binoculars, poros are a much simpler optical system, and so they don't really benefit or need the complex coatings that roof prisms need but also greatly benefit from. Hmm. Okay. Well, John, we're running out of time here. Give us, if you could, give us a 30-second recap on just the basic things people should look for. Well, always make sure that the binocular that you choose is the binocular that's most comfortable for you. And that means that it should be a lower magnification, should be a full size if you're going to be using it in the field, so that means 40 to 42 a lot of people are opting for 30 to 32s, which are great. They're a little more compact, a little bit lighter in weight, if that's important. Um, the other thing is make sure they're comfortable to hold. Many people are buying a binocular just because everybody else is buying it, but maybe it's not the right size for their hands. So make sure that you get your hands around the binocular and see that it balances well, that it feels good, that you can reach all the controls. In the end, the right binocular for you is really the right binocular for you, and you're the only one that can truly determine that. All right. John Riuta is Sports Optics Product Manager for Celestron. He's also the Well-Read Naturalist. You can read about him at wellreadnaturalist.com, and we'll talk with John again about that topic. But, John, thanks so much for that good advice. It's been a pleasure, Ray. Thank you very much.
Up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Here's an idea for the next time you're shopping for wild bird food. Look for the Audubon Park brand, a top choice among bird lovers for more than 40 years. That's because Audubon Park wild bird seed is the finest kind, with more than a dozen selections to choose from, including the popular fruit and nut, songbird and cardinal, and no-waste patio blends. Human development and climate change are having increasing impacts on wild birds, feeding the hummers, chickadees, goldfinches, cardinals, and all the beautiful and fascinating birds in your backyard really helps them survive and thrive. All of Audubon Park's products meet the highest quality standards in the industry and have earned early compliance with the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act. And Audubon Park products are easy to find at your supermarket, lawn and garden store, farm and feed market, and online retailers. For more information, visit AudubonPark.com. That's AudubonPark.com. Audubon Park Wild Bird Food is made right here in the USA. Get some for your backyard birds today. Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Talking Birds is sponsored in part by Chimani, providing free outdoor mobile app travel guides to help you plan and navigate your journey to more than 400 national parks, monuments, and historic sites from Acadia to Zion. Go to Chimani.com, that's C-H-I-M-A-N-I.com to download your free app today. Our mystery bird contest, you're eligible if you haven't won within... Six months here on Talking Birds. Here is the number to call. We are really late this morning, so please call us as soon as you possibly can at 781-837-4900. We have a beautiful big double suet feeder from Droll Yankees as our prize this morning. That's great for suet and fruit as well. So it's a, a perfect thing to have any uh, time of the year. 781-837-4900 is the number. Here's our mystery bird. It's a small songbird with a buff or caramel-colored head and underparts, olive green upperparts, and black stripes on the crown and through the eye. Our bird, which winters in tropical forests and breeds over most of the eastern half of the U.S., gets its name in a roundabout sort of way by the fact that it likes to eat caterpillars. It also feeds on spiders and slugs and other crawly critters that actually give it its name. That's a pretty good hint there, I think, that last one. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900 on our Mystery Bird Contest. Meanwhile, we're live with Let's Ask Mike in just one minute. I'm Ray Brown, and I'm a coffee lover. And the brand that I drink is Birds and Beans, the only brand that sells only bird-friendly coffee, grown in a way that saves the forest that migratory birds depend on for survival. Birds and Beans carries the certification of the Smithsonian Migratory Bird Center, the most stringent shade-grown certification in the world. Plus, it's USDA organic certified and fair trade certified, so farmers get fair compensation. Of course, it's important to note that Birds and Beans coffee tastes great and it's available in your choice of roasts, from American Red Start Light Roast to Deep and Dark Scarlet Tanager French Roast. Decaf, too. If you care about saving the tropical forests on which so many of our birds depend, and if you love great coffee, there's just one choice, Birds and Beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee. It's my choice, and I really hope you'll make it yours. Get the whole Birds and Beans story, including where to buy it, at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. And that's the theme for Mike, Mike O'Connor, in our live Let's Ask Mike, Mike O'Connor from the legendary Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans. K. Cod, good morning, Mike. <coughs> is that you, Ray? That's me. Is that you? 
<laughs> I hope so. It. Yeah, I hope it is you, and I'm pretty sure it is. Hey, Mike, I've got this note from uh, our friend Todd uh, right here in Marshfield, Massachusetts. He said he bought some uh, some of those wire cages that hold bricks of suet. It's kind of like the ones we were just talking about. Yeah, right. He says, I filled it with cotton balls and hung it near the bird feeder. This is the funny part. He says two goldfinches this morning were tearing at it. A goldfinch's nest uh, way late in the season. So I don't know what these guys were doing. But uh, in any case, he says, I hope they would uh, use this to line their nests. He says, I'm not sure they weren't eating it, though. Maybe they store it in their gullet. I don't know. Maybe. Well, if they don't nest for a while, maybe they would store it, but I kind of doubt it. Anyway, but cotton balls for birds, right? Uh, You know what? I think the most impressive part of that is somebody finally found the use of cotton balls. (laughs) I've never had the use of it. You go in a hotel and there's like a jar full of those. Yeah, I've got to use up these cotton balls before we check out. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good... Good thing. It's not good for me because um, I don't make any money when people put out stuff for birds as yeah. opposed to, you know, for nesting. But it's a, it's a good idea. Cotton is a good idea. I think right now um, uh, stuff for Orioles, the Orioles are returning. So maybe six, eight, not really long, but six, eight inches strips of uh, yarn or string mm. it isn't a bad idea. Um, hang those. Just hang them up on the clothesline. Nobody has clotheslines anymore, but on a tree branch, and they'll, the, the female will pluck them and build a nest with yeah. that. If you have a, a pet, a, a, a one that you don't put poison on, like those front lines and any of those things, just regular dog fur. Yeah. I have a woman that comes in, saves a dog fur. She has like five golden retrievers, one of those people. Mm-hmm. And she collects all the fur, and, and then we give it to people, and, and she puts them in these little bags, and we put and then people put those out in their mm-hmm. suet feeder, the drill Yankee suet feeder, or yeah. an onion bag or something like that, and the birds come and grab those. Very cool. Uh, you could also, you know, you, you know what's cool is um, not many people do this, but make a mud puddle. If you've got a garden and something you haven't used, fill it with water regularly, and then the barn swallows or the phoebes or the robins will come and take up mouthfuls of mud and use that on their nests, too. That's pretty cool. So these are kind of more ways you can watch uh, birds doing stuff in, in addition to feeding also. Right, but I'd rather have you, you know, buy bird feed, but what am I going to do? Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. All right, talk next week, Ray. Talk to you then. Yeah. Back Bye-bye. here at our mystery bird contest trying to identify this bird. 781-837-4900, a small songbird with a buff or caramel-colored head or caramel uh, and underparts, olive green upper parts and black stripes on the crown and through the eye. 781-837-4900, what is it? Carol in Duxbury may know. Good morning, Carol. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing, Carol? I'm I'm good. I'm oh. good. Is it a cat bird? Uh, let me check. Uh, it is not uh, not a cat oh. bird. No. Have you seen oh. any cat birds this spring yet? I have not. Yeah, I <laughs> haven't either. There's some. Um, well, the warblers are beginning uh, to arrive. So I know it's exciting. For those. it's exciting. It, it Thank really you. is. Thank you, Carol. Okay, All thank right. you. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. A little bit more about our mystery bird, the other half of the clue. Our bird, uh, which winters in tropical flores, uh, forests <laughs> and breeds over most of the eastern half of the U.S., gets its name in a roundabout uh, sort of way by the fact that it likes to eat caterpillars. It also feeds on spiders and slugs and other crawly critters that actually give it its name. What do you think our mystery bird is? 781-837-4900.
is the number to call. Let's go to Charles in beautiful Newport, Rhode Island. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. How are things in Newport? They're overcast, but uh, at least it's not freezing cold. Well, that's nice. Yeah, we had enough of that, I think, didn't we? I think, yeah, absolutely. I've heard that the uh, average monthly temperature for the month of April was the same as December. So, Wow. Well, I guess that also means December was pretty warm. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you heard the clues, uh, Charles, and the sound of that bird. What are you, what are you saying? I'm going to have to go with worm-eating warbler. Boy, that's a... You went to a good thing there. Yeah, worm-eating warbler. Kind of a horrible name for a bird, but um, and it doesn't really eat a lot of worms. It eats <laughs> caterpillars, which are kind of like worms, I guess, with, with legs. So, yeah, anyway, I guess so. That, that, I think they used to be called worms, if I remember reading something about that. Hmm. Where's, where's the hot birding spots in Newport? Uh, this time of year, my Antinomi Park, Rome Point Cemetery, they're all really good for getting the migrants coming through. All right, well, good luck seeing some. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. Identifying correctly the worm-eating warbler as our mystery bird. We're just about out of time here on our show. Next week, one of our favorite guests on the show, birding expert, world traveler, international birding tour guide, and wonderful Talking Birds show guest, David Clapp will be here with us, and we hope you'll be with us, too. Don't forget, L.L. Bean and the big birding festival will be there up in Freeport, Maine, on Sunday, May 29th. Executive producer Mark Duffield, associate producer Debbie Bleacher, our engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.